Thank you for tuning in today at Propel Church. Whether you're watching through YouTube or listening through a podcast, we want to say thank you. Our hope at Propel is that you would be propelled into an authentic relationship with Jesus. From wherever you are tuning in, we hope that you are encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Excited too, because we're in a fun season as a church. We're kicking off a brand new series today called Strapped. And, uh, you know, if the first thought in your mind was when I hit the club, then it might be, it's not that kind of series. <laughs> if you're laughing, we'll need to talk later. You know what I'm saying? Right. But no, this series is all on dealing with unhealthy mindsets that we have around money, because here's what I've learned over the years, how we think actually determines what we do. In fact, Proverbs says that as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. In other words, the way you think about something dictates your actions, and then your actions ultimately determine the direction that you have in life. And so if, if we have the wrong mindsets around money, if we have the wrong mindsets around finances, and really if we have a view of money that doesn't align with God's word, then you and I are going to have problems in the area of finances. And some of you are like, well, I already got problems in the area of my finances, right? I want to teach you some things over the next three weeks that I think can really help you and I experience God's peace and his promise in our finances. And so what we're going to do over this series is there are tons of biblical stories about money, but there are also some passages of scripture that aren't specifically about money, but give us biblical principles that we can apply to our finances. And what I've learned is if you can apply the principles, you get access to the promise. And so we're going to dive into God's word today, and we're going to be in Genesis 22. But before we do that, the title of today's message is From Panic to Peace. Now, I know if you're anything like me, I've experienced some panic in my finances before. Right, you open up your, your, for me, it's my fifth, third banking app, and I'm like, oh no. You know what I'm saying? Something came out, something drafted, and I was like, Lord, we're gonna need a miracle. You know, them five loaves and two fish you fed 5,000? May it be so in my bank account, in Jesus' name, right? Like, maybe your panic came from a bill that you weren't expecting, maybe it came from something breaking in your house, and you've experienced panic in the area of, Finances. I remember when Tori and I had just started Propel, we, uh, we were like broke, broke, and uh, so like super poor. And when we started it, there was one day we got home, and uh, our dog was staying in the basement when we were out, and so we came back, and he had eaten everything. And so there were two Wii remotes at one point. Now there was like 1.25 Wii remotes. You know, he had eaten some batteries, but the thing that really alarmed us was he had eaten this tube of rubber cement. And, uh, yeah. And so I looked at Tori and I was like, Hey, we don't, we don't have enough money to, to fix this. Like we don't have enough money to pay for the dog to go to the vet. So he's probably dead. You know, I'm just, I'm not a comforter. That's not my gift. (laughs) And, uh, thankfully he just passed it. He's doing fine. It's been like six years. He's, he's a, good dog. So, but the point was we, we had this problem come up and we were panicking because there was stuff that we felt like we should do, but we just weren't in the financial position to do it. And over the seasons of our life, when we've gotten really tight financially and we've began to panic, 
we've learned to kind of trust God and lean into God to find that peace that we really need. And so I want to take you to a passage of scripture in Genesis chapter 22, because we're going to find a guy by the name of Abraham. And Abraham is about to be tasked with something that is very difficult. And it would be easy for us to panic, but it seems like he operates with peace. And so we want to learn from him in that. So Genesis chapter 22, beginning in verse 1, says this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. Early the next morning... Abraham got up and he loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about on the third day. Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance and he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Now, if you aren't familiar with the story of Abraham, no guilt or shame, I want to bring you up to speed with it. See, Abraham was a guy in the Bible who God promised to make him a father of many nations, that he was going to have uh, descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. But the problem was he didn't have any children. He didn't have a son. And God had promised him a son, but Abraham was like 89 years old. He's like, Lord, it ain't happening, you know? So Abraham has promised a son. God says, I'm going to give you a son. And Abraham and his wife, Sarah, really begin to just laugh in their old age, thinking this promise is never going to come to pass. If you've ever had a dream in your heart or something that you feel like God has given you, but your circumstances and situations don't seem to line up with it, this is where Abraham is. But Abraham and Sarah try and take it into their own hands, and they end up creating what what we call an Ishmael. It's something that seems like God's promise, but it's out of God's timing. And if it's out of God's timing, it's out of God's will. So it wasn't from God at all. And so after that, God says, no, I promise to give you and your wife a son, and I'm going to do it. And finally, Abraham's wife, Sarah, gets pregnant and gives birth to their son, Isaac. Isaac's been growing up. He's probably old enough to beat up all the kids on the Little League football team. And now God comes to Abraham and he says, hey, Abraham, you know that son I promised you, the one you love so much, I want you to sacrifice him. This would be one of those panic moments. It would be a moment where there's incredible tension and heartache, but the scripture says that he just gets up the next morning and he loads the donkey. And let's go back to that last verse where it says this in Genesis chapter 22, beginning in verse five, he said to his servants, we will worship and then we will come back to you. And I've always thought this passage of scripture was really interesting because it's clear that he defines what he's about to do as worship. We would define it as murder. (laughs) You're about to go up to this mountain and you're going to kill your son. But Abraham says, no, we will worship and we will come back to you. And the reason why he declares it to be worship is because worship is returning back to God what's rightfully his. 
So here's how that works. We call it worship when we sing on Sunday morning because we're standing there and despite our week, despite our situations, despite the circumstances that we find ourselves in, even though our situation doesn't seem praiseworthy, worship is giving back to God what's rightfully his. And even when I don't feel like my situation is praiseworthy, he is still praiseworthy. Worship is giving back to God what's rightfully his. So when we talk about gifts and talents, God has blessed every single one of us with those things. And the way we worship him is to say, hey, God, with the gifts and the talents that you've given me, I'm going to choose to worship you and give those right back to you. And the same is true with our giving, that we worship God through giving when we return to him what he has entrusted us with. We think about giving sometimes and we think of it as a chore. It's not a chore. It's an opportunity to worship God with what he's given us in the first place. Abraham embraces this and acknowledges it with his son Isaac because although Isaac was given to him, Abraham is not the owner of Isaac. He is the steward of Isaac. God created Isaac. God loves Isaac more than Abraham loves Isaac. And so what worship is, is it's just returning back to God what's rightfully his in the first place. And I think this is important for us because if we don't have this part down of our finances, we will not have a biblical view of money according to Scripture. According to Scripture, a biblical viewpoint of money is that 100% of what I have comes from God. 100%. You say, well, I worked for it, yet God created the pathway for you to have the job. Yeah, but I did this and that. God gave you breath in your lungs so that you could even show up to work. Everything we have comes from him. Right. And so when we talk about giving in the church, we talk about it as an act of worship because it's just returning to him what is rightfully his in the first place. Yeah. And typically when we talk about giving, there's two words that we throw around. One is tithes and one is offering. And so if you're not familiar, if, you're not, if you've not been a part of church, people throw these words out and expect you to know what they mean, and you, you may not. Tithing is when we give 10% of our income back to God through the local church. It's not that we give to the local church, you give through it. Here's why that's important. Because if you just give to the church, then when you don't show up to church or you're on vacation, you don't have to give. Well, you give through the church because it's God's money whether you're there or not. <laughs> It's God's money whether you're in church or not. Maybe you're going, you're transitioning from one storehouse to another. Regardless, it's still God's money. So we trust God with that first 10% to acknowledge him as the provider of our finances. But then there's offerings, which is where we give above the tithe. And the primary passage of scripture that people pull from is Malachi chapter 3 starting in verse 8 and going through verse 10, which is where God has a conversation with these people about tithes and offerings. So this is what it says. It says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But then we'd ask, well, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. So it's not just about tithing. There's, there's some churches that will teach you, hey, the only thing you need to do to experience God's blessing in your finances is, is to tithe. But if you tithe, if you give 10% of your income and hold the other 90% with a closed fist, you're still robbing yourself of the blessing that comes from trusting God with everything he's entrusted you with. That's right. 
So he says, but you rob me in tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. And then it uses this word, bring, the whole tithe. And the reason why it uses the word bring is because God is the owner. If my wife gave me a gift, right, and I brought her that gift back and said, I wanted to give you something, she would say, that's not a gift. You just returned it to the owner. (laughs) The same is true with our finances. So it says bring because we're just bringing back to God what he gave us in the first place. So bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And what happens when you do that so that there's food in my house? Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not even be enough room to store it. We have an opportunity to test God in the area of finances when we choose to worship him through our giving. To see that when we choose to give, even when it is uncomfortable, even when it doesn't make sense, when we choose to trust him with our first and our rest, he covers it and blesses it. And I'm not teaching, sometimes when we talk about money, people get a little bit weird in church. And here's what I've learned. People who get mad when you talk about money in church are the people who weren't given anyways. (laughs) That's called conviction, right? The reason why we want to talk about money is because I see so many people live paycheck to paycheck when you don't have to. There's a way that the kingdom works when it comes to finances that you can have everything you need covered and have an abundance for the purpose of blessing other people. So we want to talk about finances. You still with me, 1030? Come on. Genesis chapter 22, we keep reading in the story. It says this, that Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. Come on, parents, you know. Isn't it a blessing when your kids get old enough to carry stuff? So <laughs> said, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, but... Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Isaac is not an unintelligent kid. Isaac's looking around and he's been a part, because in this culture, sacrifices were very common. He has been a part of sacrifices before, and he knows that there are typically three components to a sacrifice. There is the wood, there is the fire, I'm sorry, four, there's a knife, and the fourth thing is there's an animal to slaughter. So every time they would go to do And a sacrifice, there would be those four elements. They would have the wood, they would have the fire, they would have the knife, and they would have the sacrifice. And so Isaac's going, hey, Dad, we're missing something. Something's not here. And if you read the text too quickly, you may think that Abraham doesn't want to reconcile the fact that he's going to have to kill his son Isaac, so he's just lying to him in a moment. But I don't think that's what Abraham is doing. Because if we go back to verse 5, Abraham says, we will go worship and we will come back together. Abraham has a confidence in God that God didn't give him the promise of a son, fulfill the promise of a son, to then just rip it out from under him. 
He believes that God is not only a provider for then, but he's a provider for now. And he doesn't know how God is going to provide what is necessary for a sacrifice. He's just walking by faith in this moment, and he wholeheartedly believes that God himself will provide what is necessary. And so I want to encourage you in the area of finances that when we give, we don't know how God will provide. We just know that he will provide. I can't tell you how God is going to do it. Some people, we talk about finances sometimes and we talk about tithing and in the conversation, they're like, well, how is God going to bless me? I don't know. For some of you, the greatest blessing is that he puts friends in your life because you ain't never had friends. For others of you, it's the, you get a check in the mail. Come on, somebody, right? Like, I don't know how God is going to bless you. I just know that he provides over and over and over again when we choose to trust him with our resources. The way you transition from panic to peace in the area of your finances is that you trust God as a provider. And sometimes the reason why we struggle with trust is that we feel like in order to trust, we have to have all the details. So I'll take the step as long as I know what God's going to do. God's promise is just to cover. His promise is just to provide. He never promised to provide the way you thought he was going to do it. Because faith is not believing in what God can do. It's trusting who he is, knowing that he will do something. That's why Jesus doesn't do miracles the same way over and over in Scripture. Otherwise, every time we saw a blind person, we'd be spitting in their face. He's like, I'm going to do that one once. Next time I'm going to spit into some dirt. It's a lot of spit, right? Like, <laughs> he does miracles different every time because it's not that we're trusting in what he does. It's we're trusting in who he is and that he'll do something. And so uh, I wanted to share, you know, just a few stories with you of people who have started to trust God financially. I was talking to a guy in my freedom group the other week, and if you're not a part of a Propel group, you need to be a part of a Propel group. Getting in biblical community matters so much. But he was sharing that he and his wife had gotten COVID, and they were both out of work for a couple of weeks, and they had some bills come up, and they weren't going to be able to pay for them, and they were panicking, and then they made the decision that, you know what? They had trusted God financially. They were tithing. So that night they sat down and they just prayed and they said, God, we just pray that you'd take care of us. We know that you are a provider. And the next day they woke up and they had a check in the mailbox that covered everything they needed plus some. And it was from an employer from like four years ago that just missed a paycheck. You don't miss a paycheck for four years. When someone don't pay you for four years, do you know what happens? They quit talking to you, right? What happened? Well, we didn't know how God would provide. We just knew that he would. Years ago, I was having a conversation with a lady in our church who was really anxious about this tithing thing. And I said, look, I don't know how God's going to do it. I just know that if you take that step and you start to trust him, he'll provide for you. And so she did. Well, Shortly after she started trusting God financially in tithing, her heat went out. It was going to be like $2,500 to replace it. And so she was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, a couple of days later, she got a phone call from uh, some, a, a group that she had cashed out her 401k years ago, but they had just missed some money somewhere, and they had a $2,700 check for her 
to cover it. I don't know how God will provide. I just know that he'll do it. Even a year ago, Tori and I were in a position where um, we found out we had this sweet house. We had a great deal on it. I don't know if I'd have ever moved unless, well, they told me we had to get out. And so um, Tori and I were like, all right, we're going we're gonna to buy a house. And our rent was going to go up about from, from what we were paying for rent to what our mortgage was going to be. It was going to be about four times what we were used to paying. And I was like, oh, Lord, this is not... Now, I'm going to need you in this moment. We didn't have cash for a down payment, so we were really struggling, but we kept praying and praying and praying, and all of a sudden, this opportunity fell into our lap, and we closed on our first house about a year ago, and we got paid at closing to close on our first home. I don't know how God will provide for you, but here's what I do know. When you trust God with your finances, he provides every time. And so Abraham has this confidence. He has this faith. And it says this, that when they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and he arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and he laid him on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out from heaven to him and said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. He replied, Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have withheld, you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over there and he took the ram and sacrificed as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it's said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Abraham didn't know how God was going to do it, but he trusted him. And he was obedient, and he was going through the process. And right before he goes to kill his son, an angel appears and says, Don't. You've withheld nothing from me. And then Abraham notices over in the bushes that there's this ram that was there. God provided what was necessary for a sacrifice to be made. And ultimately, this story is what is an illustration for you and I to see Jesus, because even though Abraham doesn't have to kill his only son, God would choose to kill his only son as a sacrifice to die in our place. That's the whole point of Genesis chapter 22. But in this moment, what Abraham needed was a ram or an animal to not have to sacrifice his son, and God provided. But the text was really clear. It was because Abraham withheld nothing. And so when we withhold nothing from God, he supplies everything we need. When we withhold nothing. I like to think of like our, our lives as almost like a house. Um, when it comes to God, you've got different rooms and different compartments. And God really loves an open floor concept, you know, less walls and things like that. But how many of you have a, a room in your house that when a guest comes over, you're like, man, I'd give them a whole house tour, but they're never going in this one room, right? Because <laughs> yeah. that's where you throw all your junk, all your mess, all your stuff there, if you've got those spaces in your relationship with God where you've compartmentalized him out of, you're missing out on tremendous blessing. Right. Because I love what um, one theologian says, that if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. 
So it's not this, oh, I can follow Jesus with my life, I can follow Jesus with my gifts, but hey, if I'm going to hold my finances tight. No, if he's, if he's not in control of everything, then at the end of the day, you're still the ruler and the Lord of your life, and that doesn't need to be the case. Yeah. But when we withhold nothing from God, he supplies everything we need. And sometimes the reason why God asks us to give up something is to expose idols that we have in our own life. Because if there's anything in our lives that we can't live without, then it's become an idol. Right. And God doesn't play seconds well. In fact, he doesn't play seconds at all. He's first. So God chooses to invite Abraham into this opportunity to test him in this. And what he sees at the end is that he's willing to withhold nothing from him. And because of that, he is tremendously blessed. I'll tell you one more story of a person in our church. I was having dinner with them about six months ago or so, and they felt led to uh, write a, a big check to the church. Amen. You know, it's hard to argue with that. But when we were sitting there, he was like, I'm really nervous. I've, we've never done anything like this. And, and I just said, hey, look, here's, here's the reality. If, you'll choose, if God is telling you to do this, then he's faithful to cover what he's asking you to do. So just be obedient. And if he's not asking you to do it, then don't do it because obedience is better than sacrifice. So we were having this conversation, and he was like, all right, that sounds good. I'll talk to my wife. We're going to keep praying. And so we didn't revisit it at all. But then later on, he came back, and he said, hey, I, I made the decision. We wrote the check. And I was like, okay, cool. Then last week, we were having a conversation, and he told me that he ended up getting a promotion a couple weeks ago that was about five times the amount that they gave in his yearly salary increase. Why? Because he withheld nothing. The beauty of tithes and offerings is if we just tithe, we're not generous. We just quit stealing God's money. But when we get to 11% and we start trusting God with the rest, when we start going above and beyond and, and make sure that he has access to everything, then from that point forward, we're able to experience all that he has for us in our finances. And he not only supplies everything you need, he supplies over and above all you could ask, think, or imagine. The blessing of Abraham's obedience doesn't just stop with this moment. Let's read this last passage of text, and then I'm going to land the plane. It says, Then the angel of the Lord called out to Abraham, from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and you've not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities and through your offspring, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. Why? Because you have obeyed. Obedience is the key thing that unlocks the blessing of God. When we choose to obey, it not just impacts right now. For some of you with your families, you're having conversations about generational wealth and making sure that your kids have it better than you had it and making sure that you're setting people up for success in the future, your kids and your grandkids. All that's great, but let me ask you, what are you doing with it right now? Because every decision you make today ultimately impacts tomorrow. So if you want your offspring, you want blessing there, all it takes is obedience in these moments.
when we choose to trust God with what he's entrusted to us. When we do messages like this, we're not taking up a special offering today. Giving don't work the same way it works every time. Here's why I want to teach you this stuff. Because if you don't trust God with your finances, you are missing out on experiencing heaven on earth. I have watched God provide and do things in the area of finances that we could sit here. I could sit here. If they brought me a couch, I could sit here forever and tell you stories. It'd have to be a couch. I can't stand that long. I've seen story after story. I've seen miracle after miracle of what happens when people just choose to take the step and to trust. And as you do that, you're worshiping God through your giving and he covers what you've entrusted to him but can I tell you the greatest gift you could give God is not your money it's your life in fact God loved you so much that he would send Jesus to die in your place from the very beginning of Jesus coming to earth, it's a posture of generosity from God. John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And the reason why God sends his son into the earth is because every single one of us have a sin issue that has separated us from God. But thankfully, by God's grace, he dies in our place. That death that Isaac was going to experience is really the death that we were going to experience. But there's a ram in the thicket by the name of Jesus who would take our place so that you and I could continue to live life. Not just here, but to experience eternal life. And so for some of you in the room today, maybe you're watching online, you realize that you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus. And you need to begin one. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed across the room today, if you need to surrender your life to Christ, would you just indicate that for a moment by lifting your hand and saying, hey, that's me. If you're watching online, you can click the button that says, I accepted Jesus. Here's what we're going to do, church. Nobody's going to pray alone. We're all going to pray together. Will you repeat this after me? Dear Jesus. Today, I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for checking out this week's message. If you made any decisions for Jesus or you need a next step or have a prayer request, let us know by going to www propel.church/hub that leads you to our digital connect card where you can fill out all of that information as well as see what we have coming up here at propel thank you again for tuning in and we hope to see you again soon